This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the second edition of the Power Cat Questions podcast. This week, we had so many good questions. Well, honestly, we started doing one and it got too long, so we did a second one. You know how that works, guys. Anyhow, uh, this is the Mountain Dew Cat podcast, although it's not all Mountain Dew Cat. What's his number? 74. You know, apologies to the first 73 Mountain Dew Cats. Uh, this is Mountain Dew Cat 74's podcast. It's not all him. And I told Zach, hey, let's do a whole Mountain Dew Cat round. And then Zach scattered them throughout the show. Sorry. So, look, folks, if you have employees, let them have their own creative license to do what they think's best, even if they're freaking wrong. Well, if you think I'm wrong, you can edit it in post. <laughs> and if they're wrong and you don't want to work that hard, let them have their way. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach, the Rebel Carlson over Ooh, here. Do I have a nickname now? <laughs> <The Rebel. laughs> it's an ironic nickname because that is far from what you are. Yeah. <laughs> Cole Midnight Carmody, Ryan Gills Gilbert, your quadruples of quad questions. <clears throat> Didn't work at all. Like I said, we've already done one of these this week. Hope you enjoyed it. And we did take one question from Mountain Dew Cat 306. Is that his number? 7579. Um, and uh, now uh, we're going to have questions from him throughout. We did not talk about the NFL draft in the last uh, podcast. I want to start with that. Is his first question about that? But it's not about. It's not about why. It's not. Or, well, it's not from. It's not from Mountain Dew Cat 74. I thought that's what you just told me. I am so confused right no, now. No, we're gonna get we're gonna get into some questions from Mountain Dew Cat seventy four, which talk about the draft, but the first one isn't from him. This would be a perfect time for Daphne, my dog, to fart because I'm so confused right now. <laughs> um, guys, I I'm glad Wyatt was drafted. This kind of gets back though to the point, and this kind of answers my question: Would you prefer to be a free agent and get to pick your team or be a seventh round pick? And Zach, I think you were the one who said. Last week or the week before? No, I want to be picked. Yeah. This kind of answers the question. I'm glad he was picked. And it was, granted, it was early in the seventh round. It's not like he had a compensation pick at the end of the seventh round and was picked and now has to go to a team that didn't fit him. Uh, I'm glad he was picked. It's really cool he was picked. Um, and he went about exactly where I thought he would go. The not Bing to the team. The team kind of freaked me out. The Bengals really like K-State defensive linemen. Jordan Willis, it's not like Trey they, Deshaun. It's not like they had a lot of luck with Jordan Willis. Or Trey Deshaun. It's just kind of weird. 
I mean, there's some scout that loves Kansas State defensive linemen in that room, and when he puts up the name and gets his way, everyone, all the other scouts are like, are you freaking kidding me? We're doing it again. <laughs> we got a Let's Go Bengals chant at O'Malley's uh, really? going on that, Saturday night. That doesn't happen often. Yep. yep. I feel like that's Wyatt walked chat. in. Chant. I think Wyatt walked in. I think my neighbor's mowing. Yep. It's the one problem with the basement studio is the neighbor mows right outside the windows pretty close. Yeah, I'm happy for him, man. That was cool. It's got to be cool. But I did feel bad. I think our friend Mitchell Summers from WFW and Topeka had him for the watch party on Friday for the second and third round. I'm like, oh, man, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I guess my my thing is, I guess... What if it does and you, you don't have a cameraman there to document it? But I'm like, oh, it's kind of awkward. It's like having a birthday party and nobody shows up. Hopefully that doesn't happen to me this weekend. What day's your birthday? Friday. You sure about that? I got plans. Crap. So let me get this right. So we had this discussion before we started. I tried to make a claim that was quickly proven false by Gill's. That these are the best back-to-back holidays we have as a nation. May the 4th be with you in Cinco de Mayo. He did point out New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, which seems <laughs> like a easier choice. And one you would think, as someone who's been around for a lot of years, would remember. But now May the 6th is midnight day? <laughs> no, it's the 7th. Because he doesn't but know how to midnight count. Midnight at 6 on the 6th. Uh, the no, you don't get time. Oh, you don't no, understand Friday's- time. Oh, third. Uh, hold on. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm so confused. What day is it today? Tuesday. It is the fourth. It's not a real holiday. I, okay. I it's had my mind. Holiday. Cinco de Mayo was on the on the Thursday, so it's on a Wednesday. Yeah. Screw it. Anyhow, never mind any of that. <clears throat> this is a good podcast. <laughs> I'm telling <laughs> you what. Overtime? Yeah. Now this is uh this is like a bridge between the questions and the overtime, but we're still sponsored by the fridge. Make sure you stop in the fridge. Tell them hello. Tell them Fitz sent me. But make sure you don't say that until after you checked out because you might get kicked out. <laughs> Who knows? Segment sponsors, Tanners in the High Low. Get to Aggieville. Get into Aggieville. It's kind of a mess right now as they build that parking garage in the hotel. And I think it's only the beginning of the construction in Aggieville, right? It's going to be like the start of it. Once they build the, the garage, people go, Hey, now our property's worth more. Let's let's tear down and build. We will see. We will see. Let's get going with your questions from Wabash Station as we continue the draft talk. Here is Ryan Gilbert. From I Like Pickles Cat, how should K-State be faring in the draft? It seems reasonable to me that they should be getting two-plus selections consistently and a player in the top two rounds more often than not. I think this draft defined the Big 12 more than K-State. The talent in this league's down. The talent at K-State's down. Uh, and I, I don't want anyone to interpret this as I'm taking a shot at Wyatt Hubert. Uh, that's, that's not at all what I'm doing here. But when the guy who is definitively your best player on defense, who clearly was a dominant player for your team, sneaks into the seventh round, I mean, you're not what you used to be. You're just not. You don't have enough difference makers. I mean, we try to tell people that, that, 
you know, the town had dropped off under Coach Snyder and nobody wanted to believe it. Well, why kind of defined where we're at as as a program at Kansas State? It's not what it used to be. I mean, these type of guys go in the fifth round or the fourth round. Mm -hmm. You know, we had lesser players in terms of where they fit into the defense go higher than this in the past. The talent's down. They have to get more talent into the program. And that's true across the board for the Big 12. I mean, I think Oklahoma did pretty well. But guys, those incredible those incredible tools at Oklahoma State, the receiver and the running back who were so dominant, they were both fourth-round picks. Mm-hmm. They were both third-day guys. And look, I, I love both of them. I think Tylen Wallace... That actually surprised me. I was hoping the Chiefs could grab him that late, but he went before the Chiefs could really get a hold of anyone. And Chuba Hubbard is a great running back. He's a little undersized, but that's kind of being proven to be a non-factor in the NFL. Is that dude just making a noise over there as he laid down? Oh, my God, you're so spoiled. And the conference needs more talent. But the flip side of that, guys, is it means – Maybe the top isn't so far away. If K-State can return to the type of talent levels they've had in the past, maybe Coach Kleiman will achieve that through the transfer portal. Maybe they can be right back in contention in this conference. But I think we see why the SEC and Big Ten are dominating the NFL draft and dominating college football. Those two kind of go together. Not necessarily, but they do. But North Dakota State, two picks in the first two rounds. It's possible anywhere if you can identify talent, and it happens K-State has a guy who identified both of those players. I think it's really fair to expect you know two, two picks a year on average because if there's roughly 250 picks and there's roughly 125 FBS teams, I get that you know North Dakota State's an FCS team, and you know there's going to be FCS teams in the draft, and some SEC teams are going to get way more than two, but there's a lot of lower-level teams in the NCAA Division One that are not going to have anybody taken. So why can't K-State kind of be that average at two? Is you know when you allocate all the slots out, so I think it's it's a good goal to have, and it's it's certainly not unreasonable to expect that year in year out you should be able to have two guys get picked by the NFL. Um, to me, I think it's a more of a statement on the conference than anything else. You know, you were talking about it fits, but you look in the first round and the Raiders. Granted, it's the Raiders. They had a major reach, and they drafted Alex Leatherwood, but he went to Alabama. One guy who was ahead of him in every single mock draft that there was was Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. They played the exact same position. But I guarantee you that Mike Mayock and John Gruden were sitting in the war room looking at who they needed to draft on the offensive line and said, we'll take the guy from Alabama. And that's just because he plays in the SEC and because he plays at Alabama. I don't think this is a K-State problem as as much of it is a conference problem. And I think if they can continue to – K-State continues to climb up the, the the standings in the Big 12, then they will be putting out two guys consistently in draft. Oklahoma State had three players selected this year. There's no reason K-State can't do that every year. I agree. From El Camino Cat, what does Skylar Thompson have to do this season to get his name called in the 2022 NFL draft? I'm not sure there is a formula for that. I mean, he'd have to put up such obnoxious numbers. He'd have to go over on all our numbers from, <laughs> from, the from, our, from our over-under last podcast. Yes. I mean, 
I love Skyler. I think he's a great quarterback, but he's six foot two. I mean, he doesn't have the cannon that you want. He hasn't shown an advanced ability to read defenses, you know, to go to the third option uh, just instinctively. So he needs to have a major advancement in the mental side of his game, but also the physical side of the game. He needs to make NFL throws. We don't see that that often from Skyler. Can he get the ball out there? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with his arm as a college quarterback. But I think we've all seen other college quarterbacks that do things, and you go, oh, that's, that's a little bit different. So we'll see. I mean, I would love it, but... Honestly, if if you're in the the business of drafting a quarterback, you're not doing it in the sixth, seventh round when he would probably most likely fall. You're just going to wait to get him in a free agent because there might be other college guys like him. So I guess to answer your question, not just take the next step in his game, take about four steps. I mean, folks, he's he's a good college quarterback, but there's – it's kind of like basketball. Barry Brown's a great college basketball player, but it doesn't fit the league. So Skyler at 6'2 and not that big, powerful arm, I don't know. I mean, if you're going to be 6'2 or under, you better be Drew Brees. You better be doing things that just are ridiculous in terms of ability to read defenses and, and pick where and when to run, throw the ball and when to run. Colin Klein, <clears throat> excuse me, Colin Klein was a Heisman finalist his senior year, and he didn't get drafted. No, close, because he know? didn't have the arm. He yeah. didn't have the arm. He didn't have the skill set needed for the NFL. I think that just because you're a good quarterback and can win games, and I certainly think that Skylar Thompson can win games for K-State, I don't think that he has the skill set and the tools. And even if he did have an amazing season and was a Heisman finalist like Colin Klein, I don't know if he's still getting drafted. Um, one guy that I look at, and that played college football that you can kind of compare Skylar Thompson to and, and squint your eyes and say, if he's going to get drafted, it's going to have to be how this guy got into the NFL. Um, and that's Ian book from Notre Dame. Uh, now it helps that Ian book was on a team that contended for a national championship for two years in a row. I mean, say what you want to say about Notre Dame, but they were in that conversation. Uh, Ian book his, 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 in 2019 in his Third or his second full year as a starter, 34 touchdowns, six interceptions. This past season, he played in 12 games in his third year as a starter, and he had 15 touchdowns with three interceptions. You compare those numbers to Skylar Thompson in his first full year as a starter, if you want to count 2018 when he was splitting time with Alex Delton, nine touchdowns, four interceptions. And then the first four year he under Chris, under Chris Kleiman and Courtney Messingham when he had the had the reins was. 12 touchdowns, five interceptions. So he has to take a major, major step forward because Ian Book is six foot. He was drafted in the fourth round, oddly enough, by the Saints, who, as you mentioned, Drew Brees. He has to take a major step forward if he wants to have a chance to play in the NFL. So let me get this right. The Saints, needing a new quarterback, tried to find Drew Brees all over again. Um, Ian Book without the birthmark. Um, and... The Patriots, trying to replace Tom Brady, went to find the less physically fit quarterback, the least physically fit quarterback possible in the draft, and went with Mac Jones. If you don't know what I'm talking about, <clears throat> Google Mac Jones shirtless. 
And that sounds like a creepy search, but <laughs> you'll get him smoking the cigar after the national championship mm-hmm. game. He looks like someone celebrating a fraternity softball victory. <laughs> Any time he probably told a girl who wasn't an Alabama fan that he was the starting quarterback at Alabama, he probably got laughed at. He doesn't look like he's lifted a 10-pound weight in his life. In other words, Google Tom Brady combine photo and you will see the most comical looking NFL football player ever. So the Patriots went for that too. Let's find the most irregular shaped quarterback who can throw the ball possible. And that's what we're going with. Good luck, Chiefs, trying to recreate Patrick Mahomes in about, what, 20 years? 30, 30 years? They'll get another 30 years. Yeah, 30 years. He'll have a boy. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, because if Tom Brady's playing in his his mid and late forties, as we suspect, probably, you know, technologically and in in the healthcare industry, I think you're going to advance to right. where I think that it's not unreasonable for Patrick Mahomes, as long as he doesn't get banged up, you know, to play to his mid forties. He very well could so play ball words, like Ken Griffey Jr. and his dad. In other words, we need to get Pat and Brittany on the phone. And- no, I don't. I think they can handle that on their own. <laughs> I think they're probably they got that. They need a they need a call from Cole Carmody. I'll just That's see him at the barber shop. I'll hey, just tell hey, him. Hey, Patrick, this is Cole Carmody. Uh, I think you should have sex with your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you should make a little Patrick. My, oh, you already do. Oh, I'm sorry, Patrick the third. <laughs> and then go ahead and have Patrick the fourth and fifth. There we go. That was a good impression of Cole Carmen yeah. right there. I'll say real quick about Skylar Thompson. I know that was an eternity ago, but that was the question that was asked. <laughs> Why do um, these podcasts get so long? <laughs> uh, he needs a good wide receiver core, like we talked about in the other day's podcast, Fits. You know, he's going to need some guys to step up. You know, that offensive line that was young is going to have to make some, you know, take some steps forward. Messingham's going to have to. You know, bluntly put, do a good job play calling. And I'm not saying he didn't do terrible last year, but there were some issues. So, you know, he's going to have to have a good team revolving around him to to really have a chance at even getting drafted. But I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, he, he's he's too flustered. He needs to, he needs to calm down. I think you talked about the mental um, stuff. That's that's key. Obviously, you need to throw the football, have more power to get in the NFL, but. Mentally, he needs to, you know, I don't know how, how bad it was last season, but the season before last, he, he was really flustered, you know, always flushing out to the right and throwing it away. He does have, we all do it. I do it in this podcast, comfort things. I get into mm-hmm. a position, <clears throat> I um instead of going to the right. That's pretty much it. But his emotional makeup, like you mentioned, is an interesting thing because you know, some scouts will want to see a robotic guy. I'm just going to go about my business. Mahomes is a little bit like that. You know, he's, oh, that's a bad call. Okay, well, I can't fix that, and I'm going to go on in the huddle. It's something I like about him. I also don't mind the fiery quarterback, as long as it doesn't remove them from their game. Maybe it elevates it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would I would sit here and make the argument that Philip Rivers, his emotional side devalued him. Made him a worse player. Yes. Because he never took that next step because he'd get in a big game and something 
negative would happen, and he'd be yelling at a referee or one of his teammates or something, and inevitably the next play is a disaster. Or, you know, I don't remember saying, oh, boy, Phillips pissed off. Here they go. They're going to get good. No, it was always the opposite. He checked out. And that's where Skyler's at. He needs to learn to control that emotional side so it feeds into his focus instead of feeds into a distraction. Because right now, I think when he gets upset, he feels sorry for himself and gets distracted and it takes down his game. Yeah. Not to shoot you down, but you look at Tom Brady, you know, the best quarterback in the game right now. He plays with a lot of emotion and and he yells. I'm not saying don't yell. I'm saying if you are, it better be turning you into a focused laser, Mm -hmm. pissing you off, and you're really locked in. Yeah. Okay, screw you. I'm going to do this. And a lot of quarterbacks, and I would say Skyler is one of them right now. When his emotions pop up, it doesn't elevate his game. It deflates his Mm -hmm. game. Yep. Good point. From Mountain Dew Cat 74. Who's that? Have we talked about him? <laughs> Which former Wildcats are you surprised weren't drafted? And I don't know if we're going all time. time. Okay, all time. I think I assumed all time. Yeah. There's not really any surprises other than Bradley Moore, which really, yeah. is it really that much of a surprise? No, that again, drafted, that was you know? measurables. You know, yeah. that was those type of things you look at. I'm going to try to find go and story the free agent list. Uh, there's Ryan Lilja, maybe. Uh, I'm on the Wikipedia page. Of listing notable undrafted players, and that's really the only main one, I would say. At least recently, anyway. Snyder era and beyond. There isn't there isn't one guy that, that pops out to me. For me for me actually there is. Alex or Alex Barnes recently. Hmm. You know, I was a little surprised he wasn't. Drafted. I am too a little I, bit because he kind of fit the NFL. I'm Yeah. I wonder if he just tested horribly. Yeah. Well, but the combine he lifted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's how, right. How much did he bench? It was crazy. Thirty something. You know, based on I, I don't know if I've talked about this on on this or the overtime or whatever, but I like collecting cards, trading cards, autograph mm-hmm. cards in particular. With how much Panini printed of Alex Barnes signed cards, Panini thought that Alex Barnes was going to be pretty good. Maybe. They printed a lot of stuff of his. You can, still, of, you can get a lot of his rookie stuff wearing K-State jerseys cheap. Is he still in the league? Is he no. on the practice squad anywhere? I don't mm. think so. I think mm. he was with the Titans. They cut him after camp or during camp. and yeah. I don't think he's smelled it since. Uh, looking through going story, and if you missed it, we did a three-part series. Ryan Wallace did the big, biggest booms and busts of the first three rounds. I did the biggest, you know, steals in rounds four and beyond, because it used to go beyond seven. And then the final day was the biggest free agent signees, the most successful ones. In hindsight, Byron Pringle does surprise me he wasn't drafted. Mm-hmm. It didn't it that guy could play. And I think he's shown it in the NFL. And you know, usually someone can't play because they don't have the right mix of they are small without enough speed or they're big uh, but they're not fast enough. Well, he had kind of a combination of both. He's not overly big, and he's not, not, you know, Tyreek Hill, but he can do both. And and so many of these guys, as you go through the, this list, <clears throat> made it in the NFL because in Bill Snyder's program, they knew how to come to work and get things done and be efficient. They knew what an NFL practice was. In fact, if you talk to former K-State players, they'll say NFL practices weren't as hard as Bill Snyder's back back in the day. 
So, you know, it's just, it's really interesting to me if you go back and look at it. But, you know, Kendall Jaycox and Ryan Lilja, a couple offensive linemen that played for quite a while. I mean, Emmanuel Lemure, who would have guessed that? B.J. Finney, he didn't seem to really have the the body, you know. But he goes to work every day, and he's kind of bounced around a little bit. I think he's back with Pittsburgh, isn't he? Or is he back with He's back with Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm. He was there last year, I know for sure. Well, he got traded. Well, he got traded to the Seahawks. Now he's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's... Well, didn't he get traded to the Bengals? I want to say he went to the Bengals for a bit. Yeah, and I think... He... I did the <laughs> I did the maybe, stories maybe every week. I don't, with... I don't remember where he... I don't know where he ended up. But he was traded at least once last Current year. Current team, Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Yeah, he ended up back as a freezing signing with the Steelers. Um, but yeah, I mean... I think generally they get it right. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with Alex Barnes. I was surprised nobody took it, took him later. But, again, that gets to he's a guy that you don't need to draft. There's going to be a guy like him. I'm sorry, folks, that you can sign as a free agent. And someone did sign him as a free agent, and he didn't make it. Was so. DJ Reed drafted? Yeah, he was. Yep. yep. 49ers. Cornelius Lucas, maybe? Yeah, he didn't get drafted. Right. He, you know, Corn, Cornelius is interesting because he was a really good left tackle. I mean, he was huge. He's just huge. He's in. An, he's one of the biggest guys I've been around in K-State football. Just huge. But you never looked at him and said, oh, dear, his footwork and his hips, and it's just amazing. So he's kind of a guy that I think he was just a big kid. You know what I mean? Some some guys don't kind of settle into their physical nature until they're 22, 23. And I think that's – it caught up to him. And when he got to the league, you know, he proved to be a, a left tackle to move to right tackle. It was, it was pretty good in the league. What about Travis Tannehill? Travis uh, – He was a good tight end for K-State. He was a good tight end, but he just didn't have the speed or the size. He didn't have a combination. He was just an incredibly good college tight end. I mean, he, he, he'll tell you. I mean, he just physically – he just doesn't match up to the guys. He doesn't match up to uh, Riley Moore physically. They're probably about the same height, but, I mean, Riley's put together and can run probably better than Travis. And Riley didn't get drafted. So, yeah, it's... Ty Zimmerman's another one of those guys that I thought had a chance to play at the next level, too. Yeah. Zach's favorite, right? Right. Well, Ty just... He's John McGraw all over. You know, John lasted a number of years in the league. Mm-hmm. It's funny, man. It's just a fine line, isn't it? I thought John McGraw was the manager of, like, the 1910, like, New York Mets or New York Yankees in New York. I don't know that. I don't know that. You've never heard of John McGraw? I, I, I have, but I don't know that. True. You're the baseball guy. New York Giants. He was the manager of the Giants. The baseball team? The New York baseball team. Why do you Giants. know that? <laughs> you can fact check me. I'm going to fact check him. John. He, he managed for, like, I want to say, like, 30 to 40 years. And he also played forever. John McGraw. Baseball player John McGraw. Sorry, folks. We were going to take a left turn on the podcast right now. He was nicknamed Little Napoleon, which is never a good nickname, by (laughs) the way. He's a Major League Baseball player and manager of the New York Giants. He stood five foot seven tall and weighed 155 pounds. Man, he was selected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1937 while primarily a third baseman throughout his career. He also played shortstop and in the outfield in the major leagues. He also refused to integrate. 
No, that's a good thing to have on your resume. He yep. was born in Truxton, New York in 1873 and passed away at the age of 60 in 1934. His career batting average was 334. Wow. I'm so glad we all got to learn. Yeah. What was I going to do without knowing that? Mm. I'm oh. going to say this. Yes. I didn't have an answer at first, and I would love to say, I hope he's listening, that Denzel Goolsby should have been drafted. You were such a butt <laughs> oh, For those who don't know, I got hired at Goolsby's, and you should come say hi and come buy some open pour beer. Am I allowed to say that, Fitz? I, yeah, we'll let you. I'm freaked out that it's already opening. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, Denzel Goolsby, former player, is opening a bar restaurant Aggieville adjacent. It's technically Aggieville, but it's in the lower level, the Bluemont. So some people think it's a great place. Other people think it's a horrible place. Uh, Zach and I disagree. I think with the new hotel going across the street, it's going to rock. I mean, you'll have all these guests at another hotel staring at his storefront. So it's going to be a little awkward to get to because you're going to have yeah. to cross. I Anderson. mean, it's 100% foot traffic. You can't park by it. Yeah. It's tough. I yeah. wish him luck, but. I mean, he'll get blue. Yeah. A lot of people from the Bluemont. Yeah. We'll go there. I mean, now that they have a nice restaurant and I contend this, it's going to be the coach hangout to where all coaches will go because, you know, back in the day they went to Aggieville, but that was before social media. I mean, they all went to Aggieville. I mean, that's how, how did I know the coaches so well back in the day? I'm, they would be at so long saloon. <laughs> that's where I went. So, um, now with social media, they just kind of you got to stay out of Aggieville unless it's dinner time or something. But right across the street from Aggieville, technically Aggieville, but you're not down on Morrow Street. Yeah, I think that's where they'll be. But anyhow, Gills got hired there as a bartender and go-go dancer, which okay. I didn't know they were going to do there. But I think it's cool that they're letting Gills shake his booty. From he just moved on. <laughs> <laughs> From uh, guess who this one's from? Fitz, uh, Mr. Pib Cat, <laughs> Mellow Yellow Cat, <laughs> seventy-four. <laughs> It'd be like one of those TV shows where they can't say the name, so they Mountain Fizz Cat seventy-four. <laughs> Which former Wildcats are you surprised weren't successful in the NFL? Arthur Brown. That's that's the first one that comes to my mind. I predicted that one because I never wanted to say it because it's such a shot at Arthur. Arthur couldn't read offenses. Hmm. Arthur would was just a guy that ran really fast and tracked people down. Arthur relied on the Ty Zimmermans of the world to make sure he was lined up right. I, I saw that one coming. Uh, Daniel Thomas? Daniel Thomas is a great answer because he could catch the ball. He was fast. He was big. Yeah. Brandon Banks. Mm. Well, because he's having a good Canadian league. Well, he speaks career. fluent Canadian, though, so it helps. Chris Harper too was another one that I yeah thought yeah would I be agree good. yeah he's well he's a lot like Byron Pringle yeah, yeah. same kind exactly. of very as a similar player. yeah I'm not good at at this thinking of guys that didn't make you know what I mean mm-hmm. Josh That's first rounder, Josh Freeman yeah. to an yeah. extent maybe I don't he was kind of successful. He, you, mm. When you look back at Josh Freeman today and you say he really didn't ever pan out. But at the time, I mean, the fact that he was able to go to a second team and play for them, you're at least somewhat successful. You know, he didn't just pan out after one. Josh Freeman was Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. 
Duke not with the hype, though. Duke he didn't throw the ball. He was a first-round pick. Mr. Bisky was drafted over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. But jo- Josh Freeman wasn't drafted over people, was he? Was he the best quarterback 17th in that overall? Yeah, but was he the best quarterback in that draft? No, not even close. Who else was in that draft? As they pull that up, I Matthew Stafford, uh, Mark Sanchez. What a crappy draft for quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. Stafford? It's been okay. I mean, for being on the Lions, he's a good quarterback. Yeah. I mean, you could for, say Josh, numbers he's put up. You could say Josh Freeman had just as good a career as Mark Sanchez did. The only thing Mark Sanchez mm-hmm. did was take him to the AFC Championship game. What his rookie year? Yeah, Other than that, butt fumble. I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> ah, I'm so happy we have that term in our lexicon now. <laughs> butt fumble. Hey, look, I could have told you Josh wasn't going to make it because he didn't work for anything. He was so gifted. You see this all the time in athletics. Like the kid in junior high who's bigger, faster, stronger than everyone. And by the time he's a sophomore in high school, everyone's caught up to him and it's not easy and he quits. The, the guy who just cruised through senior year of high school got a college football scholarship because at age 16 he was a man. And gets to college and gets his teeth knocked in by guys of the same size for the first time in his life and he quits. Josh was so much more advanced at what, six six? I mean, he just was naturally built like an athlete, could throw the ball, could run, did so many things physically that you want in a quarterback. But he just didn't ever have that next gear of work ethic. It was just all too easy for too long to him. I mean, that's that's what makes Patrick Mahomes so special. He's an incredible athlete. Could have been a major league pitcher probably. But he, he invested himself in learning about the game and kept working and working. He still does. Josh just never had that. And that means and he was a great guy, but if you're going out drinking the night before a game, I don't want you on my team, whether it's college or, or pro. If you're the starting quarterback and you're out visibly drinking among other people the night before a game, come on, man. That that's exactly what you don't want part of your franchise. I think you should try and get Dan Orlovsky on a podcast. He was Josh Freeman's backup at Tampa Bay. That's interesting. The most remarkable thing about that is Raheem Morris knew all of that and mm-hmm. still picked him. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Raheem, but that that really did Raheem's career in more than anything else because he went to bat for this guy. And because he was the head coach, got him picked in the first round. This is my guy. And when you go to bat for someone that strong, boy, they better be the guy. Mm-hmm. Because Raheem should be a head coach again. Of all the people that have been recycled to the NFL, really Raheem Morris isn't a head coach again? Well, when you have that kind of move, it, yeah, it would make me nervous as a GM. That's going to do it for the first half of the Powercat podcast. Kind of went long there because I got to talking. Damn, it's a lot. We'll be back and I'll talk some more right after this break. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. New CBS Sunday. 
You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast, part two of the week. The second half of the second questions podcast. So much good stuff. Mostly thanks to uh, Mellow Yellow 74, <laughs> Mountain Dew Cat 74, hitting the home run with lots of questions this week. But... Everyone else had some good stuff, so we split it up into two podcasts. And here we go with the second half. Of course, we're sponsored by The Fridge, Tanner's High Low Support, Manhattan Businesses. Please, when you come to town, I know you might like those buttered biscuits at a certain place. Isn't that what Red Lobster's known for? Oh. Buttered biscuits? I don't ever go there. I didn't even know that. Well, we don't have one. Yeah. Well, that's right. (laughs) What what does... uh, the rolls. Olive oh, breadsticks at Olive Garden? Uh, I don't know. What? You might like something at a chain restaurant, but please support our local businesses. I could list a bunch that I absolutely love, but you heard the sponsors. Go in there. Hmm. Here's your questions from Wabash Station. Gills. First question of the second half from King Jim 77. I work at Purdue in the athletic department and business school are piloting. Hold on. Hold on. There's, you missed. Well, I never a- put that together that that was King Jim. Oh, OK. I never I see. I don't I never go look at someone's name. Yeah. Like people go, Fitz, I'm on your website every day. I'm so and so. Well, how was I supposed to know? I'm not stalking your your user information. First of all, 24-7's user interface. Okay, I'll be back in about 10 minutes. I'll open this up for you. It's not the best, sleekest thing. Okay, go ahead, King Jim. What were you going to say, Zach? Oh, I thought you were going to say something about him working for the athletic department and the business school at Purdue. No, but okay. Does There could have been a comma there, King Jim. Oh, Just, oh. yeah. Okay. It sounded funny. But he's at Purdue. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Anyways, <laughs> piloting. A summer course for student athletes called Optimizing Your Personal Brand and Image nice. to help them make the most of the new NIL legislation. Should K-State do something similar or at the very least make it part of the quote-unquote life skills series that all athletes go through? God, that's brilliant. I think I Should know the guy that could teach that. It'd be through the economics department. Seriously. I think Dan Keister would be great for that kind of thing. Yeah. It shouldn't even be... NIL based. It should just be life based. I mean, all these, I mean, they're public figures, right? When you're an athlete, I mean, it doesn't even, you don't even have to be a public figure. Everybody, if you're a kid at school and you're going to be looking for a job next year, you better have an online presence and a presentable one at that. You know, you should be able to be searchable on Google. You know, if you have a Twitter and Instagram, whatever, it doesn't have to be public. You could have it private, but just prove your existence to people on the internet. And, you know, you can make the most of your personal brand however you want. But when you're an athlete, you know, regardless of if you can make money or not with NIL legislation, you should be a public figure and act like one. Well, and yeah, I think I think young people and I've gone through this with social media, social media 
I didn't grow up with social. I mean, I was a grown ass man before social media came around, and it took me a while to understand the impact of social media, the reach of social media, and the um, permanence of social media. You, you can delete all the stuff you want; it's still out there. I just saw something on a social media platform: uh, a guy who is a professional. Um, well, he used to be a recruiter, but now he does basically online background checks for this was a fortune 100 company a major company that was preparing to offer a 23 year old graduate master student a total compensation package worth $250,000 <laughs> she had the job as according to him this was the last deep dive to make sure there's nothing there and he found something from a deleted instagram account that she had deleted, but the video had gone semi-viral of her doing something inappropriate. It wasn't racist, wasn't sexist, wasn't it was just erotic, not porn in any way. And they axed her. So I personally think that was an overreach on the company when he described what was in the video. I know it might offend some people, but it was just a college kid doing college kid crap. Stuff that, as a college kid, you certainly think, that's not that bad. I mean, sure, I'm kind of showing my body off a little bit. Cole, you do that all the time. Of course. Yeah. But they axed her from a major career break. So that that should be part of exactly what you're teaching, the permanence of these decisions you make. And even with all this NIL discussion that make sure if you're going to align with these people, it's a two-way street. This is someone you want to be affiliated with. So, yeah, it goes it goes all directions. I think it's about handling yourself right. as a student athlete as much as anything to show you how to tell you how to act when you are out in public. Because really the NIL discussion, Gills, isn't going to affect a ton of athletes. It'll affect some, but these type of things affect everyone. And it would just be nice for them to know. Maybe they're going to be the walk-on freshman offensive lineman that turns into B.J. Finney, you know. That all of a sudden is in that position, but hey, maybe you just you got to be careful. From EMA PT, which non-revenue sport do you think could take the next step and be more of an asset to the athletics department? I don't really. I mean, I don't think as much as I love what's going on in baseball, I don't think K-State being this far north will ever be that type of program. I mean, I don't think there is one. I just don't because of society. I mean, what, if volleyball was winning national championships, maybe people would show up in, in big enough numbers to make the program break even, maybe. But if they're going to build a 2,000-seat arena, I don't think that gets you there for all those scholarships and all the travel. And no, I, don't, I don't know that there really is one, Zach. No, I, I like you've said, as much as you want to say baseball, I mean, what else can you say? I mean, I don't think it'll ever be golf. I think that Colbert Hills is a not a, a facility set up to create good college golfers. But even then, is there a profitable golfer? I don't think so. Right. I, I, but what, what I mean from an asset, winning championships. I mean, that's the only thing, the only tangible thing that Olympic sports can provide the university is if you win championships. It's probably women's track and field if if they can keep recruiting. I know that... You know, it's been a couple of years, I think, since they've won the, the Big 12 championship. But 
you know, at least that's tangible. Getting to the NCAAs, that's a tangible thing that you can you can give someone to have interest in. Is it going to be a monetary asset? No, it's it's not. It needs to be in the form of trophies, and that's the that's the asset that Olympic sports can the only asset that they yeah, could possibly see, provide. I, I look at this from a monetary standpoint as a business person. What is there something out there that can help us? even lose less money and women's basketball that's possible you can sell enough tickets but i don't even know if in the heyday of k-state women's basketball when they were packing bramlage if they were really selling enough tickets to say we're we're not losing money but you'd lose less certainly certainly i guess the only sport i can think of that could get to that level for a school such as Kansas State where you're going to pack an arena if you're really good and sell a bunch of tickets and people are going to show up? And Kansas State dumped men's wrestling, I don't know, in the men's yep, 50s or 60s? that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, that's a sport that through this stretch of the country is legitimate. Yeah. we got a lot of great high school wrestlers going to Oklahoma, Iowa State, Iowa, Nebraska, Nebraska Oklahoma. Yeah, it's a sport, all things being unequal right all things being unequal without the binds of title nine which i think is notable i'm not saying they should get away with it get rid of it this university should have men's wrestling i think it would be super easy i know this is kind of off topic but there needs to be a softball program at k-state i agree and there needs to be a wrestling program at k-state i agree so if you're looking to add a men's and a women's sport those are the two sports to me that stick out. Now, I understand there's lots of, you know, obstacles in the way of that. But getting back, so answering the question, I think wrestling, you're right. Because there are some amazing wrestlers in the state of Kansas. Amazing wrestlers in the state of Kansas that wrestle Division One. You could make a, a team of just wrestlers from the state of Kansas that could fill up your roster. And you would be able to compete at a national level. So that's A. Uh, but B, uh, you know, you're right about baseball. I think, you know, after seeing... Um, I've talked about this multiple times, but after seeing SEC baseball and, and seeing the kind of talent and the kind of people that go to those games and how, how much they pack the stadium, even in it with limited capacity, I don't think K-State can ever get to that point. But I, I do think that they can get to a point where they're consistently winning. So if you want to talk about championships, I don't know about that because of the conference that they play in. But if you want to talk about consistently upper half of the conference – I think K-State can get to that point. I don't know if that will make the school money, but I think it will make the um, respect factor for that program a lot higher than it has been in the past. Okay, I'm going to just say something here that kind of blows my mind. Let's say hypothetically, you mentioned golf. Say hypothetically they decide to shut down golf at Kansas State. Now, this is what I always find fascinating in the name of equality. You have things like men's basketball has 13 scholarships, women's have 15. I don't quite understand that, but women's golf gets 5.4 scholarships, which I, I love when the NCAA parses it out to 0.4. <laughs> Men's gets 4.5, so less than one scholarship opportunity, 0.9 scholarship opportunity more for women's side. If you did that, if you got rid of golf and added softball, 12 scholarship opportunities. Now, keep in mind, Title IX isn't scholarship opportunities. It's athletic opportunities. Okay, so you could tell the softball coach you can have 30 players. How many wrestling scholarships do you think are available for NCAA men's programs? There's there's like, what, 3. four? 7? There's nine. Okay. Oh, okay. Still less. How many weight classes are there? There's a lot. 
Probably nine. I think there's like 12. I don't know. Yeah. Let's look that up. Um, Let's see. It's like so 105. actually by doing that, yeah, you would add more cost burden. It is more difficult, yeah. more expensive to that run a sense. wrestling or softball program than golf. But scholarship-wise, athletic opportunity and roster-wise, you probably actually gained some on the women's side. Now, K-State's really in good shape Title IX-wise. They've managed that exceptionally well. But um, what were we looking at? Weight classes. Here we go. Like 109. 125, 110, by the way. 125, 133, 141, 149, 157, 165, 174, 184, 197, and 285, which is the max on that weight class. So what's that? Is that 10? That was 10. It says 10. 10. And you get nine scholarships. But why? you're not talking about all the backups. and I know, exactly. You yeah. need, you, you it's don't, like baseball. You get a full scholarship because you're one of the best in the nation. You get a half scholarship. You, get a, you, know, you can't do that in football and basketball. This is, these, that's another layer of this that is interesting. But still, why would you pick nine scholarship as the NCAA when you have ten weight classes? That makes no sense. It makes no sense. Well, I mean, even other sports where you're, you've got – a minimum number of people that you need to compete in each tournament or event or whatever, and you don't meet the sufficient number. I to think compete. baseball is nine scholarships as well. Or nine. It's like nine or 15. Maybe it's 15. I think it's I'm, more than that. I think you can have a full no, field. But no way. Oh, oh, you mean like just like. You can have a full batting yes. order out there. Yeah. Probably but, even include a designated hitter. But they're not. Probably most of them are not even right. close. It's 11.7. Okay. And a, and a maximum of 27 players on a – okay. And scholarships can be divided between a maximum of 27 players on a 35-player roster. Okay, well, this all just got off off topic. But, yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing at K-State that will really move the needle. And I think – I mean, if they got really good in women's basketball, people would show back up. If they were really good national title contenders in volleyball, they'd be packing the new arena. Those things would happen. But I don't know if they're going to happen at Kansas State again. I and think I think if they if they continue to have success in baseball, people are going to come to the games. Yeah. I, I agree. think baseball is the only possible non-revenue sport. Quote, I quote. agree with all of that, guys. Yeah. But you're just not on a consistent basis no. going to be able to attract pitchers to a site where you're going to have cold weather that could damage their arms. Yeah, I agree. which just is a compliment to what Coach Hughes has done so far. Mm-hmm. This has made me. Uh, be reminded of an activity I did a few years ago in my sports marketing class. I forget the ins and outs, but you know the topic was t- uh, ticket sales, and it started off. I think it was like a women's if if K State played UConn or something like that in Bramwich for a women's game. You know how many people would go if a ticket was twenty bucks? You know people raised their hand, ten bucks. You know how many people would go if it was free? You know, and not many people would go. And then it was how many people would go if you got paid to go? 10 bucks, 20 bucks. And I didn't even raise my hand until probably 30 or 40 bucks. And no disrespect to the women's team or, or baseball or track, whoever it may be, unless it's basketball or football, I don't have any interest. I, I, I sadly don't. And even if they're winning championships, I'm not interested by anything other than college football, college basketball. That's that's just me. I don't want disrespect in that, but that's just me. No, that's true. Of There's a lot of the marketplace. Like that. yeah. that's, I mean, the marketplace plays it out. Which, you know, that's – someone long ago asked me, why don't you cover more women's sports? I'm like, I'm not bound by Title IX. I'm bound by 
the desires of my customer base. Well, I want it. Well, that's great. You do. But if I allocate resources to go cover this, what am I not covering instead? So I just try to always invest in things that I think people will be interested in this spring. I made a decision to bring on Cole to help us with our baseball coverage because I think there is an interest in there in part. And this is going to be a really blunt answer in part one, because uh, they're getting good. They're getting more enjoyable. And two, this baseball team will be better than the what we've seen as a product for football and men's basketball. Mm-hmm. And people need something to feel good about. And so that's kind of why we brought Cole on. Now I regret it greatly because he's a real <laughs> pain in the ass. He curses a lot. He he passes wind. And my dogs don't like him. So, you know, there's that. I have an actual answer to this question. <laughs> it's dodgeball. Dodgeball! Yes, you're right. By the way, I'm really proud of the art I found for last week's that was great. podcast. From Mountain Dew Cat 74, how important is it for Kleiman to win this year? And he also asks, will Kleiman lose the fan base if he doesn't win this year? How many games does Kleiman need to win to not lose the fan base? Look, I, I don't think he's going to lose the fan base unless it's a disaster. They they beat Southern Illinois and Kansas and go 2-10. and 10. I mean, I, I don't think... Will he be damaged at four or five wins, maybe even six, but not lose them, not lose them. That's not going to happen. I mean, football now is part of the culture here. It's just not going to happen. So, I mean, it's an important year. I'm not going to – I think it's important that he, he go out and win seven at the minimum because six kind of gets into that – Oh, boy, you might go lose a bowl game and have a losing season. Again, those great bowl games. Um, But, yeah, I think have a winning season at the end of the season, you're going to be okay. But, boy, to lose the fan base, I mean, people were still going after Ron Prince. You know, it was pretty clear that Ron Prince wasn't the guy and he needed to be fired. People were still going to games. It wasn't in the same numbers, but if you're talking about Attendance dropping to 35K, I don't think that's losing the fan base. Is that 35K? Yeah. Don't you don't think so. that that's losing the fan base? No, For a, a Big 12 game, I would say it is. Oh. Well, but mm. you're losing part of the fan base, but those people will come back as soon as you you win again. I mean, to me, losing the fan base has damaged the program to the point where you got to do something for fans to come back. Folks, that's happened in basketball. That, that's been damaged now. He has to win the fans back. I'm be intrigued to see what happens with basketball ticket sales. Yeah. I mean, that's losing your fan base right there. And granted, the pandemic played into that. What, what a great year to have a pandemic when fans aren't coming anyhow. And now they're like, well, screw it. I don't have to go. I'm, I'm off the hook. So, yeah, I mean, if you drop to 35K, is it bad? Yeah. But you're still out drawing Kansas that doesn't have a fan base. They've lost their fan base. I don't think Kleiman will lose the fan base, even if he goes, like you said, four and eight. I just, I think four and eight's the tipping point. I think that four and eight, you have a lot of angry people. At three and nine, I think you have a lot of people that said, "We'll see. We'll see on the next guy." Well, there's going to be a lot of people that make excuses for him and for the staff and for the players because, I mean, let's face it, K Staters like to complain. A K Staters make a lot of excuses. B That's 
All over your fan base. I, well, yeah. And so, I mean, that's what's just going to happen. I don't think people are – now, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think that many people were mad at Kleiman after the season was over. I mean, sure, you had your handful that said, oh, this is all his fault. But I think a lot of people kind of understood the situation that was dealt. Yeah, you're right. There were people out there who think he's going to be a failure. I got a buddy who thinks is a precursor of bad things. I think seeing the number of people that defend Bruce Weber and everything that we've gone through with Bruce Weber, if you compare what basketball did and if that happened to football, I think you have way more, way less people defending Kleiman than they defend Bruce. I agree. I also think they care less about basketball. That's I, I think they, I think K-Staters, which is so odd for an old fart like me who remembers K-State basketball to say, I think... I think this younger generation is less invested in basketball, so being bad isn't as bad, isn't as annoying or horrific. Oh, we're bad. Okay, I'll I'll catch you next season. I'll be a fan when when you guys are good again. Football's more the culture now. You know, mm-hmm. if you're gonna step out and and say I'm done, that's a pretty big sign. But it's a it's a big year. I I don't disagree, and they can't have back to back losing seasons. Because then the comparison is what? Went to a bowl game your first year with the Bill Snyder's players mm-hmm. and then back-to-back losing seasons. And you, if you're at K-State, you don't want to be called Ron Prince. So if K-State breaks out purple pants at home for a game, you Coach, know that he's getting fired. Coach Clyde, don't do that. Don't bring out the purple pants. I'm all in on the alternative uniforms, not the purple pants with the Cats logo. Big loss to Nebraska. Oh. Man. Last set of questions of the podcast from Mountain Dew Cat 74. Jeez. <laughs> you guys got me all messed up. What if um, what if Bill Snyder was still the coach of the Wildcats? We'll go down the line. Well, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest here. I'm really thankful Coach didn't have to go through the pandemic. One, you had to adapt so many things to a different way, and that was never his style. Um, he liked to control as much as he could, and you really couldn't control hardly anything. I mean, I can't imagine how frustrated you become with positive tests. You want to hear what I think would have happened if mm-hmm. Coach was still the coach? If, if if Bill Snyder was the coach a year ago at the start of the pandemic, do you know who I think would be the head coach right now? Sean. Sean oh. would be the head coach. I think you're right. Wow. The pandemic would literally been. would have been the gift from Bill mm-hmm. to Sean I, to become the head coach because there's my, no other option. There, that's another point is I, I don't know if you would have coached yeah. last year. I don't think he would have. At, at 80 years old, there's no way you I don't could think put him would, in that jeopardy. It would have been smart for him to coach, quite honestly. No, no. Folks, Chris Kleiman's trying to rebuild the roster. Now they took a step back with some player issues last year, but they're just, the depth was eroding. And we just talked about it at the first half. The draft is showing that there's not the kind of talent K-State needs. And one of the two players we were all talking about for the draft didn't get drafted, but he was a transfer portal guy. So yeah, I, I don't even know how to put that into context. If coach was coming back at age 81 or two to coach again, physically, I think he's capable of it, but do you uh, think you'd do, do it on the sideline or do you think you'd be Joe pop in the booth? I, I mean, at what point, <laughs> at what point does it, I'm, I'm just thankful we didn't have to find out what the pandemic yeah. what would happen. 
What if Frank Martin was still the coach of the Wildcats? I don't know. I've said this before. I don't think Frank wins a Big 12 championship with that first Bruce Weber team. I mean, I think it was one of those cases of a new coach coming in with contrasting styles that mixed perfectly into what the other players brought to the table. He had a locker room leader in Rodney Magruder. He had a culture of defense already in place. Granite was different defense than what he likes to play. It was a more aggressive, foul-laden defense. But he still had the mentality of playing defense to adapt to. And he had some good players. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure Frank wins. I don't think at Kansas State you would have had these ups and downs with Frank that we've had with Coach. And honestly, Frank's had at South Carolina where they don't have a basketball tradition. Um, but the peaks, I don't know if he'd had those. The valleys, I don't know if he'd had those either. But the NCAA tournament's a whole different thing. I can guarantee you this. You give Frank Martin seven, what is it, seven, six NCAA tournaments? Five? What is it with Coach? Five, six? Whatever it is, he's going to go past the first round more than once. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I It would have been different. It would have been different. And... um the critics wouldn't be as loud because they'd be scared Frank would show up and confront him. <laughs> hey, it's Coach Martin. I'd like to talk to you about your tweet. <laughs> oh, shit. You startled Daphne. <laughs> Sorry, Daph. I think, I think he probably would have made another Elite Eight. I mean, he did it once. I don't see there's any reason not to think that he couldn't have done it again. But like you said, I think that there wouldn't have been as many peaks. There wouldn't have been the valleys. And the NCAA tournament's another wild animal where he probably makes an Elite Eight and maybe makes the Final Four. So if you want to compare it that way, I think it would have been better in the postseason, but I don't know if you have the two Big 12 championships. It wouldn't surprise me if you did get one. Maybe not with the with the, the first Bruce class, but I think there was there's probably an opportunity out there to... Recruiting would to be significantly one. improved. It'd be different. It'd be much different. Dean Wade is an interesting person for me. If he comes to Kansas State for Frank Martin, he either ends up playing at Fort Hay State because Frank was just overwhelming for him, uh, or he was an All-American. I mean, I'll say the same thing to Bill Self. If he, if they had signed Dean Wade, he might have been an All-American there, or he might have left to transfer down to go play at somewhere. Southeast well, Louisiana. What about the injury, though? I mean, not to... I, you know, the injury. What if he was never injured at K-State? And I think Bruce Weber could have done no. a better job. Uh-uh. They couldn't get him to assert himself on offense no matter what they did. He goes true, to the league true. and he asserts himself on offense. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know true. why they could never get him to say, I'm the best damn player on this team because he was. And I love Barry Brown. Dean had the most upside of any of them. We're seeing it now with what he's doing in the league. They could never get it out of him. I think Frank Martin and Bill Self could have gotten it out of him. We're seeing it now. He's starting in the NBA some games. Uh, yeah, he had some foot issues, but I don't know. This foot thing's just frustrating. I don't know what's going on. What if Gene Taylor fired Bruce Weber after last season? I, I, I have no idea. I mean, would Brad Underwood be the coach here? I don't think so. I think it'd be Steve Forbes. 
Like after what year? Last year or the year before? 2020. Says last season. So. Well, I, mean, I think you're well, right. If yeah, it's 2020, it's, it's Steve Forbes. If it's 2021, I don't know. I mean, that's such a hypothetical. I don't know where. If it's 2020, I think the team last year would have been better. And I don't know. But was he ever at risk of getting fired yeah. after last season, no, you think? He, there was talk about it. He should have been. If he hadn't won, won two big titles, he would have. Yeah. He just had money in the bank. Apparently more money than we thought. But um, So, yeah, he's getting another opportunity. The only reason he's around is reasons he's around is, one, he's a great guy. He's smart enough to be buddies with the big donors and his boss. But also he's had two peaks here, like we just talked about, that other coaches probably wouldn't have had. He's won two Big 12 titles. That's what you're in it for. You can say you're in it for winning conference titles or maybe you're in it for postseason advancement, but I don't know. I'm not sure. It'd be interesting, but it's just some of these are so hypothetical. It's just I don't know who would be on the team, man. Yeah. Maybe they go out into the transfer portal and and pull a complete Iowa State and remake their roster with a bunch of NBA guys or something. You know, I don't know. We'll see. At this point in time, I, I think that the program's in a lot better situation than it would be if Weber was fired. I mean, he give them credit. They got good transfers. McGurl's staying. Pack and Bradford are looking good. You know, if you bring in someone new three or four years down the line, that might be a, a really good investment. But right now, to answer the question – you know, what if he was gone, who would be here? Yeah, I know. So obviously just, Bruce Weber's had a, a lot of, you know, strugglings, but yeah. as of right now, I think it's better with Weber. Well, you can you can make the argument that with all the recruits coming into 2020, if you made a change then, you'd decimate the program because the recruits probably don't show up. All those guys that were playing last year, Pack and Bradford included, mm-hmm. might decide to go somewhere else, and then the program really is – I mean, the slate's just wiped clean. Um, this season, maybe you make an argument that they've been at Kansas State and you could hold on to them, but the transfer portal's such an unknown now. It's so tantalizing. On the other hand, maybe if you are the right guy, he gets even better players. I mean, how would you like those brothers from Eastern Washington like yeah. Oklahoma got? I don't know. I mean, granted, we're just judging the one guy off of one game. Mm-hmm. Where he was freaking Rick Barry or whatever. I don't know who to compare that to. He was Will Farrell. <laughs> Jackie Moon. Jackie Moon. Thank you. I couldn't think of it. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to tell. What if Gene Taylor didn't hire Chris Clemen? Coach Neil Brown would be awfully good to cover too, because that was the other choice. He was real close. It was a close decision from everything I've been told. I think the people in charge, including Gene, did a pretty damn good job of of candidates. Mm-hmm. Don't believe anything else you've heard. The two finalists were Neil Brown and, and Chris Kleiman. I mean, and that was pretty clear to them early on. They kept it tight to the vest. They blocked out the noise and there was a lot of it. And those were their guys. I mean, they did preliminary interviews and eliminated some people right away. You know, I think there was other guys in the mix, but those were the main two people. And then I think the default setting was Jim Levitt. If, if all thing else, all things else had fallen apart, Jim Levitt. And then you asked me what would it be like if Frank Martin was around. I don't know, but we'd have Jim Levitt, and that's the same thing on the football side. Who knows what he's going to say? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Neil Brown's a great coach. 
at the end of the day, the choice came down to a guy that had Southern roots and uh, may not be the complete cultural fit for Kansas, although fans would love Neil Brown. I mean, West Virginia fans love Neil Brown. I don't know if West Virginia people actually think of themselves as Southern, you know, the historical context of why there is a West Virginia. They didn't want to be Southern. Um, but they picked the guy, Chris Kleiman, not just because he was his friend, but because he's a Midwest guy who had come from a university that reminds Gene of Kansas State. He he seemed like a guy that would come to Kansas State and stay. That's a legitimate reason to pick him. So, yeah, Chris Kleiman wasn't here. Neil Brown would be here. Would it be better? Maybe. Maybe good enough where Neil Brown wouldn't be here after three years. Yeah, maybe. West Virginia looking, might run into that. Maybe you're looking at another coach coming That's, in after. I mean, West Virginia's already had to sweat it out once. And if they have another good year this year, Neil Brown's going to get a job, and he's going to take it if it's an SEC or a prominent, a bigger ACC job. He'll take it. What if this question said, what if Gene Taylor hired Seth Luttrell? I'd be stunned because he was never really a serious candidate. <laughs> I always like to laugh yeah, about that idea. We need we need to see if we still have the if we can plug the phone in and find that voicemail. Oh dear. That was a fun one. Yeah. Last but not least, from or it's from Mountain Dew Cap, sorry. What if Bruce Weber? <laughs> what if Bruce Weber wins twenty games this year? It's been a long day. You know what's funny about that long day? I heard Chris Kleiman when he said that if he wins twenty games, freaking Nick K State just rocked an NFL schedule. <laughs> uh, it, it'd be remarkable. It really would be. I mean, to rebuild your roster from what they've been through and hit hit the mad scientist thing again, get the right mix. I mean, some of it's mixed locker room mix. Right players hitting the right shots mix. I'd be stunned if they won 20. I'd be surprised if they make the NCAA tournament, to be real honest. Now, I think they could be bubble-worthy hanging around there, NIT. But I'd, I'd be a little surprised if they can go from what they were to the NCAA tournament. I mean, keep in mind, they're adding five new guys. And this is a program that relies on defense. And every year that they've been really good, it's because all the core players, for the most part, knew how to to play the defense that Bruce Weber needs. They won a lot of games with defense. How many games with all that talent on offense did they win in the 60s because of defense? So, yeah, they're going to have a lot of learning curve to catch up on the defensive side. I'd take 20, though. That'd be nice. I think anybody would take 20 games, but I don't know what to, I don't know what to, how to answer this. What if Bruce Weber wins 20 games? Well, he probably won't get fired. I mean... <laughs> He probably will be allowed to coach again if he wants to. I mean, I, I don't Bruce know. Bruce Weber's else. turning into Bill Snyder in that we kept asking the question, how long will coach coach? And you, if you're a competitive coach, which they all are, but if you're truly a competitor, there's one of two scenarios that can happen. I've got a really good team coming back and I want to coach them. Or, boy, last season sucked, and I'm not going out that way, so I want to coach him. And none of that leads to retirement. None of it. So it's it's intriguing. If Bruce Weber wins 20 games this year, I'm with you, Fitz. I will be stunned. I think this team's ceiling is an 11-seed play-in game, which you have now named the Bruce Weber round. Um, but let's keep in mind, UCLA 
just made the Final Four, and they played in that game. It's still incredible. And UCLA kind of reminded me a little bit of a Bruce Weber team. I mean, what was that game with Michigan? They scored like 50 points, and they won to go to the Final Four. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm not saying K-State's going to make the Final Four, but I think they could— I think you're right. I think they can. I think this team can make the NCAA tournament. I said, I know I said I was stunned if they were to win 20 games, but I've been stunned before. I'd, I'll take them to win 20 games. I know that's not really what the question's asking, but look at what they've got coming back. If, if K State plays the way it played the last month of last season, I mean, there's no reason that that team shouldn't be at least on the bubble. I'd love I mean, they it. almost beat the national champion in, in the Big 12 tournament. I'd love it. I mean, I I love covering good basketball. Mm-hmm. I've said this over and over. My favorite thing to cover isn't bowl games. It's the NCAA tournament. That run through the tournament they made, that was fun. I thought I was going to get a cover of a Final Four. And then Sister Jean showed up. <laughs> Never knew that God was a basketball fan. Zach's left the house. I just got a cool idea. Okay. But it's not for the podcast. We got to go now, folks. Zach's got a cool idea. That's it for the Powercat Questions podcast, your second of the week. This one was even longer, but you deserve it because you're awesome fans. If you're not a subscriber to Go Powercat, go get that done. Please get that done. We'll talk to you on Friday with the overtime. Thank you for listening to the Powercat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.